0: Hello and welcome back to In Trust Podcast. The next two days we are doing something special. I interview Kevin Foody from Career and Christianity Podcast. If you guys want to check out his podcast, you just go to Career and Christianity Podcast. Today we talk about how to know where you stand at work, and we also cover the controversial topic of abortion. Tomorrow we are going to talk about how you can get closer with God and how to keep that relationship with God. I hope you guys like it. Enjoy. Kevin, you can go ahead and talk about what you do a little bit, and then we'll get right into it.
1: Yeah, so I'm the host of Career in Christianity with Kevin Foodie. It's a weekly uh, podcast where um, I just help people learn about um, really how to operate in the workplace. Um, I go through a lot of uh, examples. It's a lot of career coaching. I mean, career coaching for me really hits a couple of different phases. It's not just here's good career advice, but it's really it's, it's biblically driven. So it's, here's what the, the word of God says about how you should conduct yourselves in some of these very difficult situations that I think people struggle with, uh, especially when people first start off in business and they're faced with very difficult and real circumstances. Um, and they need to have that guidance. That's a little bit, you know, more than maybe just some of the, uh, the generic things they might get in a Christian school or a Christian church or, or things like that. So I really try to dive into scenarios and really kind of explain from my personal history, what that looks like. And of course I cover current events because Those things come up in workplace conversations. You're at work, you're having conversations with people, they're talking about things. And I've seen a lot of Christians who just kind of bow out of those conversations because they just don't know how to engage. They don't know the facts, they don't know the right ways to get involved. So I like to just talk through those, uh, you know, whatever the major event is for the week, I like to talk through it so that people kind of have that understanding of, okay, if I'm in this situation, here's how I can engage, so I don't have to sit on the sidelines, but I can still represent Jesus in the way that I do it. So I try to bring that every single week um, and that's really my focus—just trying to help people, help people understand how to succeed in the workplace and how to live for Christ in in these real scenarios that come up.
0: That's great. Uh, that's definitely something that gets brought up in work is current events, and it seems like religion does get tossed in there very often. So that's that's overall great for a listen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, what about what about you for your show? You know, talk to me a little bit about what what you've been doing and. And uh, what's your been all about? with?
0: So I will read a chapter of the Bible every weekday and I'll give it a little recap and talk about how we can apply it in our lives. Because a lot of the times uh, the Bible actually has like a story and it's like a storyline of sin entering into the world and then God entering the bloodstream of humanity. And he is fixing that problem of sin through Jesus So a lot of people don't really take that into consideration when they're talking about the Bible and everything, but along with these stories within the Bible, there's really good teachings and I feel like just giving it a small, simple understanding of it will really help a lot of people. So that's what I do. I have an episode every weekday and I'm enjoying it I'm loving it. If any of you guys that are listening want to come on, have a conversation, I would love to.
1: Yeah, definitely going through the Bible as a, as a story rather than just a series of individual verses, right? Really helps the Bible come alive and maybe help people understand it better. So I think that's great that you're, you're kind of telling the stories the way they were written, right? I think that's a really great way to get people interested in the Bible from a sort of a different perspective.
0: Yeah. It's, do you know the Bible project? Those, those guys?
1: I am not familiar with them No.
0: Oh man, you got to check it out. It's awesome. They do a great job of just talking about everything. It's really cool. But the first thing I will ask you a question right now, and what is your number one tip for the work environment with religion and just what would be your number one tip for that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, number one tip for really for Christians out there too, right? And how do you, how do you conduct yourself at work? Um, I think for me, when I try to engage with people, I always say you have to know what you believe before you get into these places, into these situations. I think a lot of people don't spend enough time thinking about what they believe, what they're actually grounded in. And so what happens is they get into these circumstances, something comes up, they've never thought about it before, if they've never thought in detail about it, and now they're being challenged. And that's one of the quickest ways that people can really be knocked, you know, really knocked on their butt. They're not thinking about it. They're not, they never, you know, anticipated the scenario that might come up. And that's just one of the easiest ways that the enemy can take people down is they're unprepared and they step into the war zone and they're hit with something. And the next thing they know, they're violating their morals because they didn't know where they stood on issues. And so I say, you know, before you get into these situations, you really have to know what you believe and why. And it doesn't mean you have to be the most, you know, theologically sound person in the world, but you have to understand where you're rooted in, so that when something comes up, you know, wait a minute, no, this feels like this is a violation of what I believe. Um, but if you don't know what you believe and you haven't spent enough time thinking about it, it's really easy to be sitting there in a situation and not even realizing, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm engaging in an activity that I should be staying away from, or I'm I'm jumping into a conversation that I shouldn't be. And then those are the very things that hold people back because now when everyone else around you is working hard, they're they're pushing and they're growing in their career, you got people who are having these internal mental struggles with, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? And very often those people don't end up succeeding because- they spend half their days fighting with themselves, just trying to figure out who they are. And it's something that will hold you back in business, but it will it's also something that will hold you back in your faith because now you start doubting yourself and questioning things because you didn't take the time to prepare ahead of time. You know, you don't get ready for war in the middle of a battle. You get ready for war beforehand. It's the same thing going into the workplace. If you don't know what you believe, you'll be tested real quick. And a lot of scenarios can really push you off the board.
0: That's great. I heard you, you we were talking a little bit earlier and you said that you just did some controversial topics, and the one was on abortion, and that has been a really big topic at my work right now. So I listened to your episode a little bit, but I think that you would do a better job uh, giving an explanation of that. Do you mind giving an explanation of that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting when we talk about abortion. Um, for me, people don't know how to argue this topic, and they don't know how to argue it on either side. Um, and so what happens is the left and the right, they just kind of argue past each other. Um, and and it's 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 funny, you know. I'm I'm somebody who's been trained classically trained in debate and argumentation. So when I see it, I'm like, it's just amateurs going at it. And no one's no one's actually making any substantive, you know, headway with each other. And really, what you have to do is you have to get to the heart of the issue. And so one of the things I talked about on my show when I really went through uh, abortion is I talked about how do you cut through all the nonsense and all the arguments that don't make sense, and you just stick directly to the points. And so I tell people, if you are pro life. Your position should be about life. It should be about what's in the womb is a baby and that baby needs to be protected because that baby is life. And really when you engage in conversation with people on the other side, they're gonna try to take it in all these different directions. Well, what about rape? And what about incest? And what about a woman's you know, you know, know, choice? And what about bodily autonomy? They're gonna go in all these different directions and none of them matter. Because at the end of the day, we, we both agree on the same thing. We both agree that we shouldn't kill innocent life. So now the question becomes one thing when does life begin? And that's the only question in abortion. If we agree on when life begins, we agree on everything else with abortion. If we both agreed that life begins at birth, we would both agree on abortion. If we both agree that life begins at conception, we would both agree abortion would be wrong. So the entire abortion argument comes down to one question. When do you believe life begins? And so when I engage in people with these conversations, I just keep them sticking to that point. And I'll, they'll try to jump off and go on these tangents, and I'll just bring it back and say, well, when does life begin? And how do you know? Scientifically speaking, when does life begin? And I'll tell you, I've had so many conversations with people, and they, they just go all over the place. I've had people tell me, you know, life begins at consciousness. Life begins at 12 weeks, 20 weeks, 24 weeks, 30 weeks, 40 weeks. Life begins at the moment you're born. And then I'll ask, well, what's the science behind it? And they don't know. They don't have answers. And then you just start bringing logic into it. Well, if life begins at consciousness, you know, well, what about somebody who's unconscious? Does that person not have value? Well, no, of course they have value. Okay, so then why does consciousness count in one situation but not the other? And you start just asking those probing questions and people's whole whole worldview falls apart because they don't know what they believe. And so I say for the pro-life side, you just stick to the truth. The truth is life begins at conception. There's science to back that up. The other side doesn't have it. So don't let them get off on tangents, stick to the truth that life begins at conception and make them give you a definition for when life begins, it will completely destroy their entire argument.
0: That is great. Uh, I have had these conversations with people before and I usually do a pretty good job at um, going along with when it, when it starts. And then they'll say something like, well, they have to be conscious and I'll talk about, so like, why don't, why don't we just kill like one year old babies and, That normally gets to him, but then it seems like the past few conversations that I've had, they always bring up the extreme conditions like rape. What would you say is the best thing to say about like, that's terrible. If you have to like force a teenager and there was a situation, it was rape. And what, like, how would you answer that? Because I've never really, um, had a a sound, uh, like, I'm not really sure what to say. So what would you say to him?
1: Yeah. I mean, so the reality is what you hear a lot from the pro-choice side is a lot of emotional manipulation. So in lieu of arguments, a lot, what they like to do is find the most emotionally manipulative situations. And they'll try to throw that at you. What about a teenager who was raped? What about somebody who was, you know, a mother of three who was sexually assaulted on the way home from work? Right. And they go through all these, you know, a woman who was captured and kidnapped and raped and, and she ended up being pregnant. They want to use these emotionally manipulative words because they don't have an argument. And so I always go back to people and I say, listen, are we debating about abortion in general? Or do you only want to talk about the the emotionally charged situations? If you want to talk about these situations that are extremely rare and you want to talk about those as one-offs, we can do that. But since the majority of abortions are not those, then we need to talk about the main issue because that's what we're debating upon. Now, of course, I wouldn't change my position because life is still life. And that's something I always go back to with people. I say, I don't think there's justification for killing people. I don't think there's a good reason to kill people, no matter what emotional situation you come up with. I don't think the answer should ever be, well, let's kill children because we don't like the way that they were conceived or we don't like the circumstances that they were in. We certainly wouldn't go into an inner city or or a place where there was a tremendous poverty and say, well, why don't we just kill all these people? The, the quality of life, of the, the situation they're in is terrible. We should just kill them, that would be better for them. We would never say that. But somehow people think that it's okay to make that argument when we say, well, what if, what if we were to kill a baby? Well, what does their circumstance have to do with the value of the child? The circumstance is grim, there's no question about it. But to say that the value of human life goes down based on the circumstances that they're in, well, who gets to decide value of human life? Do you or I get to do that? I don't. So for me, it's very morally consistent to say, you don't kill any life because killing life is wrong. For the other side, you have to ask them the question, how do you get to define the value of human life based on circumstances? Is there a chart? Is there something that you can say, well, if you have X number of bad situations, now your life doesn't have value and we can kill it? And and who defines that chart? And I've never had a person been able to answer that question for me. It's always these, no, I want to go back to the emotion because I want to manipulate you into feeling guilty about your decision. I'm not going to feel guilty about my decision to protect life, but you should feel guilty about your decision to use a a woman who was raped as a pawn because you don't have a good argument to make for your case.
0: That is a very good point. And the one thing that I have found is kind of a decent, um, they kind of have the same understanding is that we should just have one victim. In that terrible circumstance, instead of two victims, which is the baby that is inside the stomach, and but that is a good answer. How they will go to the emotional side of things instead of the logic behind everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, this is something that I was you know uh, trained in, right, in, in public speaking and ways to you know engage people. And it's 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 a trick as old as time. You when you don't have a good argument, you have to try to win the emotions. Because emotions will make people think irrationally, So I'm going to create emotionally charged situation so that irrational thoughts have a chance of winning. But when you, when you take those out and you go, no, we're, we're cutting the irrational emotional thoughts out. We're going to stick to facts. Their arguments fall apart. That's why it always comes back to emotion.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, Do you want to ask me a question?
1: Yeah. So I've heard you talk about this, you know, one or two times um, before about, about motivation. And sticking to what you're doing. And so I'd love to know, how difficult is it, would you say, to stay motivated when the attacks of the enemy come? Like when you're starting to think about like, why should I even do my show? Or why should anyone care about what I'm doing? Or am I really helping somebody? Like in those moments in life, how do you overcome
0: and stay stay motivated? So this is a very good question because uh, people have asked me this before. And the only time that I have found myself that I'm doubting anything that I'm doing is when I it's, let's say that I went to a wedding or something and I drank, then I, I feel like I'm just, I'm vulnerable. And I feel like that is when I'm attacked by those thoughts. And that's, that's when I really have those thoughts. But I, the only way that I can counter anything is by prayer and asking God to give me that motivation. And it's just being humble about things and saying, God, I can't do anything without you. Everything that I do, it's only because you are allowing me to do this. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't think about. And it goes along with like quitting an addiction. Uh, I I was like addicted to vapes, and I tried to quit on my own. I, I tried this so many times. And finally, I was like, God, I need your help. I can't do this without you. And all of a sudden, I wasn't hitting a vape. So this is something that I would really encourage all of you guys to do is humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. And that will go for, for keeping motivation and anything in life is humbling yourself before the Lord.
1: Yeah. Do you think there's anything that goes that goes into that? Cause I'm sure there's people out there who would say, you know, well, I've prayed before and, and God's never stepped up and healed me of my addiction or my this, you know, but your circumstance, you you've gotten that. You know, do you think there's something you have to do? Is there a moment of, you know, is it repentance you think first that that comes to it and then asking God or humbling yourself? What, what specifically does that look like for somebody who is in those circumstances and needs that, that advice?
0: So I, w- I would say that I did not find God by going to church. It was by actually living a Christian life outside of church. And that is repentance and turning away from your sin. And this is also something that you cannot do without God's help. But once you actually start to turn away from your earthly life, it's like you're coming closer with God. And the closer that you come to him, the closer he will come to you. And that's, it's like the things that you want in life. That's not what you actually want in life. It's the closer you get with God, you'll see how things in life do not matter. And our time on earth it's like a little like waiting room, you know? It's it's determining if we're going to go to heaven or hell. So, you need to get closer with God, and that is through repentance. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Have a great day.